My name is Scott Odom. I have the privilege of serving here as executive pastor. And this morning we're going to continue in our Difference Makers series where every one of us in the room are being challenged or being encouraged to be a difference maker for Jesus. We've seen in this series that we don't just go to church, we are the church. We've seen in the series that a neighbor is anyone that needs compassion. And today, as we dive into the word, we're gonna look at what it means to be faithful. What does it mean to be a, a faithful believer, a faithful follower, to run after Jesus? What, is that, what does that look like? And you know, as, as I think about faithfulness, as I think about service, I can't think of a much better picture than those that faithfully serve in our armed forces. You know, I'm incredibly grateful and thankful for those that sacrifice, that serve us, and the bravery that they display to serve us and to serve our country. And so on this Veterans Week, and I want to invite, if you're a veteran or if you currently serve in the military, would you just stand to your feet so we can recognize you and just express our appreciation to you for your faithful service. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your service to our country. And what a great picture that is of service and sacrifice and faithfulness. I'm going to invite you, if you've got your copy of God's Word, if you've got the Bible app on your phone, whatever you've got, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at a picture in just two simple verses of, of an encouragement, a challenge to, to live faithfully. And it's really a picture a display of what does it look like to run the Christian right, life? What does it look like to, to run faithfully this Christian life? And so this morning, I wanna give you the big idea right at the top. Here's the big idea this morning is this, run with endurance and faithfulness that manifests itself in obedience and service. Let me read that again. Run with endurance and faithfulness that manifests itself in obedience in service. We'll be challenged to run the Christian life in a way that causes us to obey the Lord and to serve Him. So let's look in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin or sin which clings so closely let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's who we just sang about. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, before we, before we jump into the how, how are we to run the Christian life? We're going to take a moment and just look at those that have run the Christian life in front of us, before us. Look at me at the beginning of verse one there. It says, therefore, which is gonna point us back to chapter 11, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, chapter 11, right before this text in chapter 12, are the great heroes of our faith. It runs through a laundry list. Some have called it the hall of faith. It runs through this big list of people that they weren't perfect. They had their faults but they're heroes of the faith, models and examples that we can kind of look to that encourage us. You have Abel, his sacrifice pleased God. 
You have Noah who built a boat when it had never rained, trusting God that there would be a flood. You have Abraham that picked up and moved his entire entourage and family without knowing where he was going. And chapter 11 goes on and on and on. And I can run through all of those examples. I would encourage you today, maybe this afternoon, grab your Bible and go to Hebrews 11 and just read that this afternoon to be encouraged. But faith stories, but those individuals that ran the Christian life, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't easy at all. It was actually almost more difficult than really what most of us are facing. Let me give you some, just some words from Hebrews 11 that describes these great heroes of our faith. It says some were tortured, some were mocked, some were flogged, wrongfully prisoned, stoned, afflicted. Some were killed with a sword and even says that some of them were actually sawn in two for their faith, for their trust, for their fellowship of Jesus. Following the Lord is not always easy. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. You see in this text here, it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. These witnesses are really those in chapter 11. When it says we're surrounded, think, think a stadium, think a large stadium. Maybe, maybe last night or yesterday you watched some college football stadiums that seat 100 plus thousand were featured yesterday. A stadium of people gathering around, cheering on a football team. But in this example, these are in a sense believers that have come before us visually that really their lives are cheering us on, encouraging us forward. It calls them a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses understand. Witnesses have experienced. It doesn't say a cloud of spectators. See, a spectator is one who sits on his couch eats hot dogs and chips and salsa and has a great opinion on what the coach of the football team is doing. And so me last night as a Florida Gator fan, as we set records that have never been accomplished in college football as such a bad defense, I had opinions on our defense last night sitting in our living room saying, what in the world are we doing? But I am a spectator. I don't have a clue, really. I think I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't. I've never been a coach of a college football team. I don't really know what's going on. I'm a spectator. I have an opinion, but I don't have any real value. But a witness who's walked in those shoes, a witness who understands, a witness who gets it, who can empathize. The, the passage that Copeland read that Jesus empathizes with us. These, these witnesses understand. And so this text is telling us, therefore, get ready you are surrounded almost like in a stadium by people that have walked the Christian faith before you and they're encouraging you. They're challenging you. They're propelling you forward. They're basically declaring with a loud voice, the Christian life is worth it. They're encouraging us today. It's worth it. And even you can make that a little personalized, though the cloud of witnesses comes from Hebrews chapter 11 you know, there's really a cloud of witnesses that's in your personal life. I think about my grandfather who faithfully served the Lord and modeled what it means to be a Christian. That then my mom came to faith in the Lord and then that's been passed down to me. Cloud of witnesses, though my grandfather is not really in a stadium, but the vision that his life is declaring and pushing me forward in my Christian faith. So by word of encouragement here, those that have gone before us are encouraging us, challenging us, saying you can do it. It's been done before. And so this morning we're going to see three aspects of running 
running the race. Here's the first thing we're going to see in this text this morning. Is that we're to run freely. We're to run without hindrance. We're to run freely this morning is the way we need to run. Look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 there in the middle. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Lay aside those things that might hinder you from your spiritual growth. You see, a weight are good things that get out of balance. It's a good thing that gets out of control. A job is a good thing. We need to provide for our families. But when your job becomes your idol, when your job becomes your focus, it gets out of balance and becomes a weight to your spiritual growth. Our family can be a weight. When we begin to idolize our family or our children, it can actually become a weight to our own spiritual spiritual growth, free time, entertainment. Entertainment's a great thing, but entertainment out of balance, whether it's excessive or what you're partaking in, can be a hindrance to your spiritual walk, to your ability to run freely. And the text says even sins, of course, can hinder us when they're tripping us, causing us to fall or stumble. They hold us back. Here's a question I'd encourage you to ask when you're considering something in your life, ask this question. Don't ask, is it a sin? Ask this, is it helping me to run? Ask the question, hey, should I watch this? Should I do this? Should I participate in this? Should I put my passion, my heart, my money, my time, my focus into this? The question is not, is it wrong or is it a sin? The question is, is this helping me run the spiritual life, the Christian life? Is this helping me pursue Jesus? Ask that question. Is it propelling me on in my spiritual journey? So the first thing we see this morning is that we're to run freely. We got to lay things off. Runners, which I am not a runner. If you hand me a basketball, I'll run on a court. But just to run aimlessly, oh, I can't stand it. But I hear runners love to wear really lightweight shoes. Because I've bought some running shoes before. I'm like, these feel like a feather. There's nothing to them. Well, you find out runners want light shoes because every bit of weight they put on them slows them up from being as effective because every millisecond matters. And in the Christian life, sometimes we think certain weights aren't that big of a deal. But here it says, if we're gonna freely run after Jesus, we gotta lay aside every weight in sin that clings. So close. You want to run after Jesus, we've got to run freely. We've got to lay aside those things that hinder us. Here's the second things I want us to see, what it looks like to, to run. Look in verse 2, it says we're going to run focused. We need to run freely, but we need to run focused. And look at verse 2, just these first three words. We want to run focused. We are to be looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, you know, in life, it's easy to get distracted. We get distracted by everything. Just yesterday, I was at home and one of my kids' phone was on the counter. And for about 20 minutes, here is all I heard. I'm like, what in the world? I asked my wife, is that your phone? Who, what in the world? And she's like, well, it's not mine, it's not mine. And I finally went over and just turned my kids' phone off, off, right? Because I was trying to enjoy my afternoon and all I heard was buzzing and it was a nonstop, you know, text chat kind of thing going on. 
It's a distraction. And that's a funny illustration, but reality is our phones and so many other things can distract us from where our eyes really need to be focused on. It's a constant battle. And here, the author of Hebrews in three simple words says, looking to Jesus. We should be looking to Jesus. I'm reminded of the disciple Peter. Sometimes Peter gets a bad rap because he did a lot of great things for the Lord, but he was kind of crazy. He was out there. He was bold. But one time Jesus showed up to the disciples and he was out on the lake and he's walking on the water and the disciples are like, what is going on? And Peter's like, hey, if that's you, Jesus, tell me to come out there. And Jesus says, come on, Peter. Now we give Peter a hard time later in the story, but Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on the water. I don't know when you last did that, but I've never done that. So Peter was like, oh, for real? Check this out. Boom. Peter steps out of the boat, starts walking on the water. And guess what he's looking at? Jesus. Peter's eyes are laser focused on Jesus. He's watching Jesus. He's following Jesus. And the text says he sees a wind, which you can't see wind. But you can see the effects of wind, a strong wind. It says Peter became distracted he lost his focus. He began to see the circumstances around him got a little dicey, got a little crazy. And when Peter took his focus off Jesus, Peter began to sink. But you know, Jesus didn't let Peter sink and die. Jesus came over and picked up Peter. And then they had a conversation. But in this text, it says we're to be looking to Jesus. There's so many things that fight for our attention Look at the rest of verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, and this is who he is. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. But then look about Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him, Jesus had a race. It was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus had a race. See, the text here is telling us we need to run freely. We need to run focused. Well, why do we look to Jesus? Because Jesus is the model. Jesus is the example. He's the author of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. And Jesus, too, had a race that was set before him. And the text says he endured the cross. And he fully finished faithfully the race that was set before him. See, Jesus' race was to leave heaven and come to earth, to walk this planet for about 33 or so years, to engage us in conversations, call the disciples to follow after him, to model that to them for a few years. And then he died a brutal death on a cross. He went in the grave for a few days and he rose from the grave, which is the Easter story, hung around for a while. And then he went back to heaven and he said, hey, your job is to be a difference maker. Jesus ran the race. And that race that Jesus ran, you know, we talked about the cloud of witnesses had a lot of challenges in their race. Well, Jesus was abandoned in his race. Jesus was mocked in his race. Jesus was a nomad. Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus was wrongfully accused. Jesus was brutally beaten. Jesus was brutally murdered by one of the worst forms of execution known in all of human history. So Jesus is the model. We run freely to the Christian race. Lay off those weights. But we need to be focused on Jesus. 
He's our focus. There's so many distractions. Because Jesus is the model. He's the motivation. But here's the third thing I want us to see in this text is that we are to run faithfully. Church, we're to run faithfully. Look at me in verse 1 here. At the end of verse 1, it says, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each of us in the room have a race that is set before us. Young people, you've got a race set before you. People in the middle of life, people later in life, you have a race that is set before you, that God has placed before you. And some of you would say, I didn't choose this race. And you know, that's true. But God's called each of us to run that race faithfully. See, the season of life that I'm in right now is the race that I am running is parenting four teenagers. Come on now. I'd like to hear your woe is me story. I got four teenagers at the Odom home, three in high school, one in eighth grade, right? It is filled with excitement at the Odom home. Not just vibrating cell phones, but all sorts of other things going on. That's my race that I'm running. Years ago when those kiddos were little, it was four preschoolers. Yeah, oh, that's right, oh. Yeah, that was a different kind of race back then, an exhaustion race. Now it's an emotionally draining race. It used to be my wife and I go to bed and I'd be like, I am exhausted. Now we go to bed and we're like, what are we supposed to do? It's a different kind of race. And you think about your race, the season of life that you're in. There's a race that has been set before you as well. We're called to run that race faithfully. Some of our races have, have hills in them. And maybe you're in a season that you're going up hill and you're thinking, this is brutal. Am I going to make it? Remember, there's a cloud of witnesses in a sense surrounding that stadium, looking down at you, cheering you on, saying, man, it was tough for us and we made it. It's worth it. They're declaring it's worth it. Hang in there. Or maybe some of you are in the season of life where the wind is at your back in your race. And you're like, dude, this life thing is easy. There's probably not a lot of you in here saying that. But maybe there's a few of you in here saying that. But sometimes life takes us on sharp turns. And your race looked one way the other day. And your phone rang and your race quickly changed. Unexpectedly, unprepared, unanticipated. But you know, it wasn't unanticipated to the Lord. And he set a race out in front of us that he is calling us to run. And look with me at the end of verse one again, not just the race that's set before us, but how do we run the race? He says, let us run with endurance, the race set before us. Run with perseverance that no, it's not, it's not easy, but it's, it's worth it. It's a marathon of endurance. It's not just about today not just about tomorrow, but it's an endurance, a marathon. You know, I said we had these four kiddos that were in preschool at one point, And there was a movie we used to watch called Finding Nemo. I don't know, you're laughing, maybe some of you. But there's a scene in there where Nemo's dad is a fish named Marlin. And he's on a mission to find his son. Nemo's out there 
And Marlon is a good dad seeking to find his lost son. And there's a moment in the movie where Marlon starts to get kind of depressed. He's like, dude, this is tough. He starts to lose hope. And I'm not, not going not to find my boy. And then this crazy, energetic, chirpy little fish comes along named Dory. Pretty annoying fish, by the way, but it works well in this moment. Sometimes God uses annoying people too. And this little fish comes along, and as Marlon's about to tap out of the race, he's about to say, man, it's over. It's done. I'm, I'm really done. And Marlon says, I mean, uh, Dory says to Marlon, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. If I could sing, I would sing it to you, but it wouldn't bless you <laughs> at all. But this little fish says, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Though you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, don't tap out. Just keep swimming. And here in the text, author of Hebrews says, let us run with endurance. The race set before us, don't tap out. Don't quit. Don't throw in the flag, the towel. It's hard, it's difficult. I'm reminded the first week of this series, our lead pastor stood right here and said, we don't go to church, we are the church because the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, then you have everything you need to run the Christian life. You may not feel that way. Your feelings may be challenging you differently. But it says in the scripture that we have the Holy Spirit in us that gives us everything we need for the Christian life. It's worth it. When you say, I can't do it any longer, that's okay. Just declare, Holy Spirit, would you do it now? Because he's in you. When you say, I can't, that's okay. Say, God, would you? God, it's your turn. God, you're in me. If you're a follower of Jesus, ask him to take over and he will do it through you. It's worth it to run the race. Here's what it says in James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, who perseveres. He says, for when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Church, it's worth it. The cloud of witnesses is declaring it's worth it. Jesus' example of what he walked through says it's worth it. Maybe those in your personal cloud of witnesses that have gone before you have said it's worth it. And today I'm super excited that we've seen where to run freely, where to run focused, and where to run faithfully. And this morning we have the privilege that we're going to be able to see some stories of some Bell Shoals members that are running the race faithfully. Turn your attention to the screen and be encouraged. Thank you. 
What a great encouragement and challenge. And I'll tell you, at the beginning of the video, I was a little nervous. That is our senior adult pastor, Terrell Delaney. If you know Terrell, it's an incredible blessing. And I just want you to know, we're going to send a team back to New York to go check on Terrell. Go find him there in those turnstiles in the subway. Now, Terrell's amazing blessing. You know, I think about that video and it's an encouragement to me, to my heart. But you know, it's also a challenge. It encourages me, but it, but it, it challenges me. What's, what's my excuse? What's, what's the hindrance obstacle of my own imagination that really isn't an obstacle for the Lord? It's kind of an excuse I'm making. I want you to think this morning, maybe what's your next step this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not even in the race yet. Maybe you're checking out this thing, Christianity and this guy, Jesus. And your next step is to surrender to Jesus, to place your faith and trust in the one who died on the cross and offers you forgiveness of sins. Your next step is just get in the race. Surrender to him. Turn your life over to him. When we get done with this service in a few moments, we'd love to talk to you at the high top tables out there, or you could text Bell Shoals to 77411 and someone on our team would reach out to you and begin a dialogue about what does it mean to follow Jesus? But maybe some of you in the room, maybe you're, have stopped running. You're barely walking. Maybe some of you in the room are even considering tapping out. Or maybe you used to run and you've gone to a slower jog, spiritually speaking. The man today, call out to the Lord to re-engage, reinvigorate your heart and your soul to run this Christian life faithfully. Maybe that's today you go home and you pull out Hebrews 11. And you begin to read these examples to encourage your heart, these cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. Or maybe you need some practical helps. We offer a Bible study every Sunday called Starting Point. Maybe you need a starting point, some basic foundational things in your life. Again, text Bell Schultz to 77411. See us at the high top tables. We'll be glad to share with you about that group. But you know, this morning, I wanna give you two practical ways that maybe you can be a difference maker, ways that you can respond tangibly. And one is, as we've talked about already in this series, how might God be calling you to go on mission, to go on mission? I've never met anybody that regretted going on a mission trip, though it takes time, costs money, you could see it as an inconvenience. And a lot of times you do see it that way all the way up till you get on the plane. And then when you go and you come back, maybe you're an Ann McRitchie and you got 22 more to go. Maybe the Lord is calling you to go. And what's the obstacle holding you back? When we get done with the service, go out in the lobby, go to one of those high top tables all around, get a card which you can give, you can go, you can pray. Begin to pray about how might God be moving you to respond, to carry the gospel, not just to your neighbors, but to the nations. And if you can't go for physical reasons, grab a card. You can always pray and give. We all can be about the mission of God. We all can be about the mission of God. And the second practical thing is this morning as you leave, 
The needs in our community are great, huge. In preparing for the Real Hope Christmas party, Debbie Wiseman has just been sharing with us on staff some stories of these families that will be coming that is just heartbreaking, of the needs are overwhelming. And the opportunity that you and I have to go in the lobby and grab a tag, and we're blessed to be a blessing. So as we leave this place, I encourage you to grab a tag, grab a card. Let me read this big idea to you. Run with endurance and faithfulness that manifests itself in obedience and service.